so thank you so much for coming in in the podcast today i am so thrilled yeah. to have you on there i uh, can yeah, i'm so happy yourself? to be here thank you so can you introduce yourself with your pronouns and what you're working on right now or anything you can add on yeah um so my name is rebecca melva and my pronouns pronouns are she her and uh, i am currently a third year phd student at university of utah and i am working on uh platelets which are the, which are those things that clot in your blood mm. and um my thesis is specifically on a receptor on platelets and how that receptor interacts with a molecule called late a hyaluronin and how that receptor causes the cleave a uh, cleavage of hyaluronin lots of lots of long words in there but uh i look at i look at a receptor that makes the platelet stick on something and then cut okay that's that's good so uh, like how your work is coming on like you're on third year your project is for five years i think um technically yes so i my program um the first year is an umbrella program so i am third year phd but i'm really second year in the lab okay, okay. so i yeah so i rotated actually in a neurobiology lab um okay. which was fascinating i just got i got so motion sick on the on the microscope yes <laughs> those who work on those who work on microscopes you guys are my heroes because oh oh i guess motion sick yeah <laughs> um and then i worked in a uh in an immunology lab which was focusing on type 1 diabetes oh and that work to me was fascinating um the only problem was is that i was uh working with um so in in a lot of immunology labs we work with mice um okay. and the mice to me they were, i was working with them and i'm like i i don't the mice were too young okay and it it it, it was upsetting to me oh, just because it's like they're, yeah. they're young and so when i talked to the the pi or the lab leader i said hey or is there another project i can work on that you know works on older mice Okay. Unfortunately, unfortunately the the project I would be picking up would be that one. Okay. So, I was going to do another rotation and then COVID happened. Yeah, so I landed in I actually landed in uh the lab I'm in currently by luck cuz COVID hit and my school essentially shut down and I still had one more rotation. Okay. So my my rotation uh i was emailing for i was emailing pi's and i'm like do you want me to rotate in your lab no okay because a lot of the responses were my my lab is closed or, or yeah. like, my lab's not we're not doing in person right now so we actually can't have you come in oh my god um so i was i was emailing pi's and then i finally emailed um I emailed the PI and I'm like, "Hey, I see you study these things called platelets. I don't know what they do, but I'm interested in rotating because I was desperate at that point, let's be honest." <laughs> and um and my and he actually the PI actually says like, "Well, I'm not looking for a I'm not looking for a graduate student, but this new guy who just joined studies inflammatory bowel disease and platelets." Oh my so you can go rotate in his lab and he Aaron Aaron uh Aaron's lab was like a couple months old and it's pretty new I was like 
yeah, he was really new. And I just like, yes, let's do it. I don't know what I'm, I don't know what platelets are, but I'll do it. He, Aaron, Aaron and I met um, over Zoom. Okay. And, um, and he's like, yeah, yeah, we just started up the lab. Oh my God. <laughs> let's have you That's- on. <laughs> That's awesome. So it was, you- yeah. It- so you are in his lab? I am, yes, I'm in I'm in his lab because it turned out, it was a really good fit. Um and I discovered I actually enjoyed platelets a lot. I didn't I didn't think they would be that interesting. Again, I I was again grasping at straws. I'm like, whoever will take me, whoever will take me. Sure, you platelet guy, sure. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. And like, uh, lab, that's that's you know the best thing, like a good supervisor, a good lab. What else you can ask for? That's says Yeah. Which is, it's funny because like I had been very, uh, I had been trying to find like like a woman PI. Okay. And again, by chance, I actually met, you know, Aaron. Okay. And so I'm like, will this work? You're, you're like, I really want a like woman mentor. Okay. But it's great because the lab manager, she's, uh, she's a badass woman um, in the lab. And we just actually brought on another, uh, a lab technician and she's awesome that's good. so we were actually we were actually joking yesterday we're like we outnumber you Aaron <laughs> that's good because um, on most places you know is men's outnumber females <laughs> so that's good yeah <laughs> one of the very least examples where women outnumbers unfortunately yeah, it, but that's good we're small but mighty we're we are a lab of four it's three, three out of four. Three out of four. Yeah, that's good. So, uh, like, um, can you talk about how did you get interested in, you know, immunology on a first place? Yeah, it's a, it is a story um, because I originally thought that I wanted to be a physician. Okay. Um, so I, I spent my all of my college career getting like I'm getting ready for the MCATs, which are the uh, the test to get into medical school. Yes. Um, I was doing all of the shadowing and then I had a year break between when I ended college and then when I would have started medical school. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get my uh, e- EMT li- license, which is my emergency medical technician. Okay. And after I finished that, I, I actually, I got everything. I did the, I did the test. I, I got my license and I went, you know what? I don't, I, I don't really like patient care. <laughs> and I actually finished the MCAT and everything. Okay. I, I was like, I was getting ready to do my my applications. Okay. And I just had this like, nope. Revelation. Revelation. I'm like, I, I really want to just work on it in the medical sense or like the, you know, on at the bench. Cause I enjoy, I enjoy learning about it a lot more. I don't want to do patient care. So I, I literally about faced the day I finished my, um, I was in Portland at the time, okay. the day I finished my uh, EMT final test. And I drove up to Seattle <laughs> and where I, where I then lived with my cousin and I found like different lab opportunities um, That's- because I had, I had no real like lab experience okay. at that point. Okay. Um, but I, I, because I, like, I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed being in the, like the, the whole reason why I was 
trying to get into the medical field was because I enjoy learning about diseases. Okay. So going into graduate school and even in some of the volunteer work that I did mm-hmm. in the labs prior, I, w- I was trying to work on like asthma or diseases, um, you know, something in the context of uh, uh, inflammation. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so I wanted to work on something that had medical implications. It's like okay. this, this can help in a disease. Mm-hmm. So... I didn't have to go immunology, but like just based on the labs that were, you know, available and just that just kind of where I, yeah. Also, you know, if you wanted to go to medical, immunology taught most of the things that you would have. So I think, yeah, that's great. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and again, I did try it. I did try neurobiology. and I think I I did think about the I did think about going like more biochemistry. Okay. But um, I will say my lab currently we're kind of a jack of all trades lab where we work it on immunology, but we're also very heavy biochemistry focused. Okay. So. So you are getting all of the like experiences all together. Yeah. yeah. I just don't have to do patient care, which <laughs> I'm happy. Yeah. So you were even more than. That's, that's great. Looking back on it, I'm, I'm happy I didn't go into medical school. I'm happy. It's like you had a passion for studying diseases. We just had to redirect it. Yes, that's great. Like, you fit into the right place. Great for you. Gives, everyone gives T cells and B cells all the credit for immunology, but uh, platelets are really cool. Platelets, platelets get, need to have a lot more love. <laughs> so it's our tagline um, also that platelets are cool. Yes, platelets are cool. Come on, guys. T cells, B cells, sure, but platelets are cool. Yeah. Because, <laughs> um, uh, like, we look at in our in my research, we we look at um, in the context of inflammatory bowel disease or IBD. Um, we actually look at a extracellular matrix molecule or ECM molecule called hyaluronin. Okay. And we look at how platelets degrade hyaluronin in um, a uh, in a disease. Okay. So, in a in a healthy individual, hyaluronin looks like a nicely mowed lawn. I know I'm going to get to platelets in a second. I know I'm talking about this new weird molecule called hyaluronin, but bear with me. So, a healthy person, nice mowed lawn looking hyaluronin. But when you get sick. Mm-hmm. Um, at the site of inflammation, the hyaluronin will grow and it will look like, you know, out of control growing on. Yeah. Exactly. And so that hyaluronin can actually act as landing sites for a lot of immune cells. Um, it can actually, it, it can let things land on it, like uh, infiltrating um, neutrophils. Or, like, yeah. Exactly. Um, but... And again, like a relatively healthy individual, when you're getting better, you need a way to degrade that hyaluronin. Otherwise, you're going to get inappropriate recruitment okay. of these immune cells. Mm-hmm. And that's where that's that's where our study comes in, where we look at platelets that not only use hyaluronin as a place to bind and start clotting, because platelets are little clotting enucleated factors, but they also will. Uh, 
Um, so what we look at though is not only can can this hyaluronin act as a place for um, like a place for landing, but the platelets also act to degrade hyaluronin. Okay. So um, yeah, and so platelets can actually have a receptor um, that cuts the uh, hyaluronin and then um, essentially cleaves hyaluronin in oh, theory nice. to like a more manageable. Um, the, frag the fragments do other stuff in your body, but I'm not, that's not really what I go over in my research. Um, Cause what we're looking at in, um, in IBD, again, inflammatory bowel disease, mm -hmm. people with IBD have uh, actually are, we, we found that they actually have a loss of a hyaluronin receptor on their platelets. Oh, um, called Leylin. Okay. Um, there's a significant loss of this HA, uh, of this HA receptor. And we think that this loss of HA receptor actually, um, is what causes the loss of HA degradation and the loss of that degradation then causes the more infiltration of immune cells, therefore chronic inflammation. inflammation. Okay. Exactly. The only problem is no one knows what Leyland does in platelets. It's like, we know it's an HA receptor. And that's it. Pretty much. I mean, we know it, we know it binds to this molecule called uh, tailin in, okay. in the inside of the cell. But like what, what that, I mean, we know what tailin does, but like how, how Leyland interacts with tailin. Okay. The downstream tailing uh, pathways and uh, so you don't know yet. Yeah, we you don't know, and um, so that's a lot. That's my that's my research. That's is, very I'm, very fascinating, you know. Yeah. Actually, it is true that uh, immunology is more based on T cells and B cells, and what you're talking about is also like seemingly very uh, important for you know the inflammation. So you were mm -hmm. talking about IBD. So are there any other diseases where this uh, scenario also happens? Do you know about any? Uh, so um, we so we are going to be looking at other uh, diseases. I'm a little nervous to go beyond IBD, unfortunately, just because I only focus on IBD. Okay. And and I'm a little nervous to say like, yeah, it, I'm pretty sure it happens the same way. But um, like in asthma patients, we don't know the upregulation of Leylin. Okay. Um, yeah. So we we so um, my my lab before I joined. Mm -hmm. They were looking at why are platelets dysregulated in IBD and oh. they found this loss of this HA receptor. Mm -hmm. And so they're like, okay, maybe this is like, maybe this is like one of the factors that causes. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, platelets are hyperactive in IBD and cause, okay. cause clots in your bloodstream. Mm -hmm. um, and there, and so my, my PI thought maybe, maybe this is, Maybe this is like one of the factors that causes it to, mm -hmm. uh, be, these platelets become hyperactive because not only do you lose the loss of hyaluronic degradation, you also maybe have a lot of other downstream factors mm -hmm. that are completely out of control because you lose, you have a down regulation of Leylin. Yes. They just agree. Um, but again, no one, no one really no. knows exactly what it does in platelets. So, so it's, 
pretty like it's completely new discovery you are uh, working on that's very fascinating it's great yeah because there i mean leland has been looked at in like t cells and other and like okay. kind of in other cells but again in platelets we're like eh. <laughs> so i'm i've been doing a lot of uh aggregation assays okay. where i look at if i block leland with an antibody how mm. well does it aggregate how well does it activate um we have we just got our Layla knockout mice just started breeding again. Yay. Oh, um, so congratulations. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so we're actually looking at it's like, okay, but if you have a complete loss of Layla in these in these mouse platelets, um, what does that do with the aggregation? Mm-hmm. So lots of lots of aggregation, lots of western blots right now. Okay. Good luck with that. <laughs> oh, western blots. Uh, we love to hate them. When they work, they work. Yeah. When they don't work, they're so terrible. <laughs> you spend like, I just spent two days. Uh, yeah. And like, when you look at the results, if that doesn't work, it's like, what did I do wrong? Like, why do, uh, was I wrong? I know. <laughs> <laughs> why? Where what? are you? <laughs> exactly. Or like, I... I just did a Western blot the other day and like two of my lanes have nothing in there. I'm like, I know there's stuff in there. Where are (laughs) you? I'm like, where, where is this protein? Yeah. So the next thing I wanted to know is like you thought uh, you talked about IVD. So do you have any models or in vitro, in vivo, what you're working on? Yeah. So I, I work on, uh, I can actually get, platelets from uh, both healthy donor humans and we also have a collaboration with a lab where we can get um, platelets from uh, IBD patients. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I've been been doing some aggregation and Western blocks on that. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, we we hopefully are going to be able to start looking at uh, like proximity ligation where we label Leyland and we can label another receptor we think it might be close to. And um, when, when our, when our labeled uh, receptors come close together, it'll create a signal, which will be like, yes, they are close together. That's very interesting. It's very interesting. And I hope it works (laughs) because we haven't actually done it yet, but I hope it works. Okay. It'll be interesting to see what other receptors are uh, labeled. Interacting with Leland, okay. Yeah, exactly. Because um, again, we don't know what it does. Does it form a complex? Is it just out there by itself? Okay. So, um, and so, the, so that's that's not really a model. That's just me. That's just me taking blood from from humans. Humans, yeah. But I do, ha- yeah. So I have my mouse model though. So I know I talked about my Leland knockout mice. Um, and. Uh, what we're going to do is that we're we're starting to do um, something called uh, DSS colitis uh, model, where we uh, put DSS, a molecule called DSS, into the drinking water, and that will cause inflammation in the mouse's gut. That's very akin to colitis, which is okay. a subset of IBD. Mm-hmm. And um, so, what that'll allow us to do is that in both a wild type mouse 
versus a um, Leyland knockout mouse. Okay. How does that change the? Um, how does that change like the colon length? How does that change the? Um, like the uh, colon morphology. How does that? How do the platelets react? That's really my big question. Mm -hmm. um, that said, my Leyland knockout mice are what we call systemic knockout, which means all of all of the cells don't have Leyland. Okay. Which is not what which is not what we see in actually IBD patients. We're we're looking at Leyland this down regulation of just on the platelets. Okay. So what I want what I what I'm planning on doing is that once we get our colonies back up, hmm. I can actually deplete wild I can take a wild type my mouse and I can deplete its platelets by injecting a an antibody. Um, deplete the whole platelets, not just Leyland. Oh yeah, so what so, so what I'm gonna do is that for a wild type mouse, I, I inject it with a specific antibody and I can deplete all of the platelets in the blood. Oh wow. So I so the so the so the entire mouse mm -hmm. is still intact like it still has Leyland everywhere else in the body. Just Leyland is Okay. Yeah. And then I can actually replace it with Leyland knockout platelets from my Leyland knockout mice. Oh wow. That's so pretty, yeah. Uh, and then once we have that, and once I master that, then we can put that mouse on a DSS colitis model, which we which we think will be closer to what we see in humans. IBD, okay. Uh huh. Okay. So, Great. again, so you have Leyland because Leyland is not just expressed in platelets, but you have Leyland everywhere else in the body mm -hmm. except for platelets. And um, what happens when you inflame the gut, and then does that recapitulate what we see in? colitis okay so okay. it's it's kind yeah. of like building yeah it's kind of building a couple of different models into one mm -hmm. and see what happens yeah yeah so you talked about yeah no oh what? no sorry grant yeah granted that's still in hypothetical land because we still have to get our colonies up so. yeah you'll get there like yeah, I think science starts with hypothesis all, all, all the time and then it goes farther I think you'll get there. Yeah. yeah. So that's. And working on it. Working on it. Yeah. And platelets <laughs> are cool. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Just exactly. Like, this is the first time I am like I am interested in immunology, and this is the first time I am getting interested and excited about platelets. I haven't thought <laughs> about this, so you know, go platelets. They're so cool. Yeah. They also keep you from like bleeding out. That's really important. I, I, I was talking to someone in uh, the the uh, class I'm TAing in, and uh, I'm like, they always talk about all the B cells. Show me some platelet love. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that sure. I'm sure that they will be the you know trailblazer to yes. you know, making platelets cool. Yeah. We're just gonna. Every time, every time I go up for a conference now, I'm just going to be like, okay, what you need to take away from this is that platelets are the bomb. <laughs> Forget about what you know about B cells and T cells. <laughs> so the next thing, like you talked that you are in a new lab and also mm -hmm. you are looking into this very new receptor. So uh, I am sure that you are not finding many references in your literature according to like in terms yeah. of Ellen. So how is that like difficult for you? Or is it easier for you? So it's it's a struggle because there are, 
again, like it's been looked at in other cell types just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what that does is that we're it's like in endothelial cells, it, it's like, oh, we think it might be this downstream pathway. And you're like, well, I, it might be that in platelets. So it gives us okay. a starting point, mm-hmm. but um, it's one of those things where in science you're like, I don't, I don't want there to be a ton of literature on the thing I am, but I also want enough that I can have like some sort of skeleton of where I'm going. Yes. Um, Cause I mean, uh, uh, cause it's like, it's kind of a shot in the dark if you don't know. Oh, any different. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's like somewhere it's, mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm looking at. I don't know what my downstream things are. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I will say it's like the, even the small amount of literature still gives us some place to look at. Yes. So, um, is it frustrating? Yeah, it would be nice to know what Leyland's crystal structure is, and that just doesn't exist. It would be nice to know like what other like what other things it could be mm-hmm. interacting with, so that I can, without having to do all my screens, it would be nice to just be like, I don't need to look at that. I don't need to look at that. So, there's a lot more screening mm-hmm. looking at it, um, especially in platelets, because hmm. not a lot of literature on that. Yes. Yeah. We got that. It's like, it goes, I think, both ways. Like you are the one that will be looking at and your uh, paper will be looked at as a reference for our platelets and you are having the problem. So it's, you know, silver lining, I can say. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, trailblazing is a good, good word for it. It's, oh, my hard work will go somewhere. So someone else down the line yes. doesn't have to do the screens. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. Future, future person working on Leyland and platelets, you're welcome. So like going forward, uh, what do you want to do? Like after PhD or what will be your future plan? Yeah, so I'm bouncing between two ideas right now. I'm okay. either going to go into industry or I'm going to go into science communication. Okay. And um, I've been talking with my PI about it quite often. Okay. Um, because I, I really do enjoy talking about my science and mm-hmm. getting it out there, um, maybe doing policy. But I'm also, it's like maybe maybe I just want to, you know, be a lab technician in a industry okay. job. And um, what I do know is I'm not really into the academic. I, okay. I kind of want, I want to go a non-traditional route. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Like do whatever interests you. Yeah. I think I think mainly because I don't want to be a PI. Okay. I don't want to. I don't want to do my own lab. Okay. Not for me. <laughs> that's that's like, you know, everyone has their choices. So mm-hmm. yours, whatever it is, either science communication or uh, your lab technician, it's your call. You know. Yeah. And that is like interesting. You brought it up because I think. Uh, uh, students, those are in PhD, doing PhD or in this kind of field, has the kind of pressure that they have to go to academic, like have to do postdoc and then what, what not. So the similar kind of conversation I had with one of my lab mates, she don't, doesn't want to go for like becoming a PI or anything. She wants to be a professor just after mm-hmm. doing her PhD. That's that's tough because most of the professor either has some kind of postdoc or RA, uh, you know, uh, mm-hmm. experience. So yeah, that's a great thing. So what do you think about that? So like, uh, how can we change the, you know, 
perspective of people going into academia. They, they, they do not have to be in there. Yeah. We, so Sorry. I'm actually on a committee right now We've uh, that brings in speakers uh, to our department um, for general, it's a slew of departments, but um, we've actually been talking about it this year and we're, we're helping out with this thing called career day. So we're, we're bringing in non-traditional, uh, we're not bringing in non-traditional jobs. So that's that's how we have been trying to i'm not gonna say combat it that's the worst thing but like we're, we're trying to bring light to like there are other options besides academia because mm -hmm. um like hey there's you know someone who works on I, I, i'm wow policy <laughs> i'm doing a terrible job it's nine o'clock my time guys i apologize yeah. <laughs> no, that's fine that's fine yeah uh, it's it's very important that we talk about alternative lines also because there are different sets of uh, you know fields that people can go to and they're not just aware of the uh, things yeah and what i have also found is that the pis need to be open to that as well or any person in charge of a lab because i did have a conversation with someone who i could have potentially joined okay and when i said it's like i'm not thinking about going to academia they're like are you sure are you sure though and you're like okay back up if, if i have a gut feeling that academia is not where i want to go i'm being upfront about that yes, yes um and so i think even if the even if you even if the pi doesn't like i don't think that's the route you need to go mm -hmm. you still need to be able to go it's like okay how can i get you there though okay it's not your yes, path it's, it's, it's not like the pi's path it's yes it's, it's your student's path yeah yes. student or postdoc or whoever is asking for it mm-hmm um yeah. just for all you know it could be like it could be a startup or something it's like yeah, i'm definitely definitely and what? i think as i so like we were talking about uh while you were just chatting before this about like science communication issues with like the coronavirus situation mm -hmm. um it's like I, it's pretty clear it's like we need people to go and be invested in science communication yes definitely. so it's like so that's a weak link that we need to work on it's like and that would that, that would be something that a pi should be like yes you need to go into science communication because we clearly need it need it yeah definitely we, we we need this like science communication more than ever because like the general public is not very aware of like what is going on behind the scene like in science and there like there there has been some you know misconceptions so Definitely, definitely. It's very yeah, and like, cool. and another thing that we as scientists need to get better at is actually communicating. Because hmm. <laughs> if you just like random scientists who doesn't hmm. actually do practice science communication explain this treatment, mm -hmm. there we're we're not well trained in at least from a PhD program to like actually speak to anyone outside of our field, mm -hmm. and so. Like Even when I when I was academic language also, you know, if yeah. you talk about all you know, hyaluronine and all of that stuff, I think most people like it's 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 not normal to understand. Like they wouldn't. So you know, in a layman language, it's it's very important. Yeah, and so it's, I I usually have to have a translation for what I do. It's like I look at I look at a receptor that binds to a thing that cuts it. 
<laughs> you you said that it. That is what you need. To, yeah, it's like, that's what you need to know, though. It's like yeah, like to to know what I do. It's like you don't need to know what hyaluronic is or what hyaluronic does if you're just trying to be for how you know platelets regulate the homeostatic conditions of hyaluronic. No, no one, no one's gonna understand that. Even people in my field will also look at me like, what you know, deer in the headlines. Because like, what are you talking about? I don't work on that molecule. What are you doing? Yeah, yeah. It's 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 obviously if you talk about like someone from like say you know plant biology, I, I, they would know the name, but all of the detailed stuff they wouldn't understand. Obviously, no. Yeah, and so it's, you know, like, it's even, vice versa. Even, you, yeah. Um, even in our own departmental uh, seminars, we're like, I don't understand what's going on. It's because they assume I understand what you're talking about. We just need a like. Here's here's what diabetes is. Just yeah. like, at the beginning of your talks, <laughs> yes. just like brief overview of what, what for the uh, fellow scientists out there. Just a brief layman overview before you go diving into your work. Yes, please. Uh, many a PhD student will, will you know bow to you and be so grateful for you know. Uh, it's it's nice you brought it up because my. Like my PI, my supervisor always tells that when you are giving a, a like a presentation, always think that your audience doesn't know anything. So if you are to, like going to go like T cells or like TC cells or whatever the uh, acronym you are using, just tell mm -hmm. what it is so that the whole audience will understand what it is. So she does a great job in presentation. Mm -hmm. I am like learning. The other thing I wanted to talk about, you are uh, featured on 500 queer scientists. So, and you talked about a little bit about science, about your orientation. Do you want to talk about like more about yourself? Uh, you uh, yeah. were, uh, yeah, talk about it. Yeah, so I identify as um, asexual and aromantic. Um, cue, cue the, you know, mitosis, meiosis jokes for asexuality we've, we've heard it before it's also a joke in the community but um so i identify as asexual because i have no attraction to anyone um i don't think anyone looks hot i i have no desire to sleep with anyone i i am someone who also i, I also have no desire to kiss anyone um that's not the case for a lot of that's not the case for a lot of asexuals um i happen to be you know i'm not into i really don't want sex i'd rather you know eat hot lava than have sex um <laughs> okay but again i want to stress that is not the case for uh, uh most of the asexual community because like yes. you can still enjoy having sex and just like not into it for not desire yeah, yeah. it's it's you know like, it's a spectrum so like mm -hmm. obviously not everyone is going to be on a specific wavelength so that's what we need to understand of course yeah and so um but yeah i i can tell you it's like i i can look at a human a human naked human body doesn't matter male female and i'm like meh <laughs> meh <laughs> eh. i don't i don't get it i don't like every time there's a sex scene in a movie i'm like and i'll be on my phone Oh, it's done. Okay. It's just, <laughs> yeah. it's just, it just, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I don't, yes. I mean, I get it. It's, 
I, I grew up in a society where it's like we make sex a huge deal. So it's like, yeah. yes, I obviously get it, but I also it's the equivalent it. of me. Yeah, it's like I don't want it. Yes. It's like some everyone wants the chocolate cake. Yes. And I'm like, no, I'm not hungry. You don't no. like chocolate cake? No. You don't no. like chocolate I mean, cake. Okay, wait, hold on. We need to back up. I made a very extreme example. <laughs> <laughs> you to be know. clear, I love chocolate and I love cake. Yeah, yeah, that's what I. <laughs> oh wait, no, that no. To be very clear, chocolate is wonderful. <laughs> Before anyone listening to this, don't get on me for not liking chocolate. I love chocolate, specifically sixty to seventy percent. But <laughs> yeah, um, but I, I'm. Was I, I was. Yeah, yeah. The the analogy is like there's something. Everyone else is like, this is mm-hmm. so good, mm-hmm. and you're like, yeah, no, yeah. Um, yeah, and then you know, and then for some sex, for some asexuals, are like once like they eat it, and they're like, it's good, mm-hmm. but I'm, you know, it's like I'm not really gonna hunt for it. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, and that's fine. Um, I think. Yeah, it's it's very important that you talk about it, like like we talk about it more of all the like spectrum that it's very important to feel like we do belong it's nothing like less or nothing like alien concept we are here and as you said you know may like go lgbtq plus community so that's that's it, it, it's so interesting you say that though because the tagline for the asexual community is we are valid we exist which I think that says a lot about how the queer community views us as a whole. Mm. Um, where I actually didn't consider myself queer until the middle of 2020, where I actually met another asexual for the first time. Because, you know, I grew up, didn't know that was a thing, even in college. It's mm. like, even, I had a lot of, you know, queer friends. But I'm like, I'm a really good ally didn't quite pick up on like I'm not interested in anyone I'm just like eh, I'm I must be default I must be default heterosexual mm-hmm. but I'll yeah so it's not my thing yes it wasn't until I this is so embarrassing but it wasn't until I did a buzzfeed like Please. you know quiz yourself on your on your sexuality and um and I'm like what the hell is asexual once I got it? Yes. And and then that night when I was like, I was reading stuff about asexuality, I'm like, oh my gosh, this makes so much sense. Mm. I then made the mistake of going on to a forum asking, I didn't ask the question, the question had already been asked where it was, are asexuals, you know, part of the LGBTQ plus community? Mm. And there was so much like, no, they're not. And I'm like, whoa. Oh even though A is for asexual, there's just like, hmm, you know, no, because you don't have, like, there's no um, prejudice against it, or it's like, you're just, you're, it's like, no, you're, you're really either like, you're gay, or you're, That's just awful. Uh, That's you're, just... you're, you're actually, you're, you're heterosexual. I mean, honestly, some of the stuff that comes out of it mirrors the, like, bi erasure mm-hmm. um, that comes out. Um, and like we actually, uh, to like to give you even more of a like overview of, um, excuse me, of like this 
fear of like ace phobia I don't know what it is mm-hmm. but um like two weeks ago I think at this point I'm bad with dates I apologize but they we had a sexuality week okay and um people around the world were celebrating asexuality and um one of my favorite and most prominent um sorry uh activists mm-hmm. Yasmin Benoit she's amazing uh, for those listening, please look her up. She's she's done so much for the asexual community. Okay. But she is a model. And so she posted a um, asexual lingerie line, which is totally appropriate because we also wear, I don't, but asexuals can wear lingerie. It doesn't stop oh, us from you? wanting to wear. It's yeah. Like, but for you, the like, amount for, of. Yeah, yeah, see. Yeah, and the amount of harassment that she got just for um, oh posting it, and they're like, "You can't be asexual if you wear lingerie." How? It, it, like, I, I was watching it just through Twitter, and like, it was terrifying and horrifying. Obviously, yeah. and just like, and so it's like, it's one of those things where, oh, you don't get prejudice, but it's like, but we don't get the same kind of prejudice. We get infantilized. We get. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've been like, oh, you just haven't found the right person. Oh my God. And and this whole like, and they're like, never happening. (sighs) I mean, I'm also a romantic. So I was like, I'm not even looking for a romantic partner. That just doesn't, I am all for platonic relationships. Mm -hmm. Be my best friend. Mm. Don't want to kiss you. Don't want to hug you. No interest in sex and no interest in, um, you know, any romance, but it's, just a side note, it's key to note that romantic attraction and sexual attraction are two very different things. Different things. Um, yeah. And, but yeah, so I, I say I get, I, I have, it, it's very subtle, but it's like, oh, you'll find someone. And the tone changes. It's like they talk to a child. Um, they just don't believe you when you say no. It's like, I'm really not interested in anyone. Um, and like, I don't even say to people I'm asexual. I just, it's like, you know, under, it's like, it's not a, it's not their business if it hasn't come up. It's like, I'm not going to just say, I, I'm not finding anyone because I'm asexual. It's like, no, I'm just not looking for anyone. Exactly. I'm, I, I'm not going to get married. Hmm. Or, you know, I think it, this is probably the most open I will, I, I have been because like up until this point, mm-hmm. I think just a couple of my friends know that I'm asexual because mm-hmm. it's not. I don't just scream it out loud because it's like not anyone else's business. Yes, yes, definitely. Um, but but I think that once people know, they should respect. I yeah. think that's that's the like least thing as a human being people can do. Yeah, and, and that is like very missing from like once you tell people how do you identify with or uh, how do you wanted them to look at you, and they just you know don't get it they all want to stereotype you according to themselves like their understanding i also wish that it sex wasn't always linked to my value as being a woman yeah which is another thing where you're like you have to have sex although if you have sex then you're considered you know promiscuous but Mm -hmm. if you're a virgin which i am i it's a why do we use the word for, I haven't had sex. 
Um, <laughs> where that doesn't that doesn't make pure. It doesn't make me better than anyone. It's like yes. it's because I literally don't want it. <laughs> yes, it's I it's it's very bizarre how, how this you know society works. I think it's yeah. Uh, you do it, whatever everyone gonna judge for one thing or that you do this you will not gonna judge you don't you will not gonna judge so that it's just it's like so why do you care what i don't do in the bedroom yes yes exactly again i'm coming at this from like i don't even preface that i'm asexual i just go like mm-hmm. no and yes and i will say it's not from everyone mm-hmm. um this is not to be like everyone is society it's like no i i definitely meet um folks who are very like yes i will respect you hmm. not always though <laughs> this is this is for the not always people you're like yeah no this is no i don't like sorry i'm going to be a little graphic here i don't like tampons in me why why do i want anything else i i don't i don't i don't like being cuddled why on earth would i want anyone else's male or female's body on top no no we just don't you just don't and that's that's fine no. okay. yeah um so again, how, I, like, yeah yeah so i was i i was i was uh wondering that you have you come out to your like uh work friends or you know your colleagues um i've come out to I've come out to one of them. Okay. Um I'm going to be vague on who I have just so that I, you know, yes, yes, it's different. They, yeah. And so it's like, you know, um I haven't come out officially to my PI, but okay. I do know he's very he he is very aware of asexuality and so yes. it just hasn't come up. Um yeah. In fact, I might send this to him and be like, "Hello, Aaron. This is how <laughs> you're finding out." So so so, so the question was like how do you uh, you know navigate through or like all of this like academia and your sexuality how do you navigate through this is there any you know, hardships or you know have you seen any positive uh, you know responses so to um to the folks that i have come out to um it's very positive response okay that said i also i'm not I I wish I was more open about it and I'm always just on the cusp of like one maybe my lab is but I don't know you know if is the entire floor open if I it's weird because like a lot of people would just go like what is that <laughs> and my fear is that it's not that there will be outright like you know we don't allow asexual it's like that's not what's going to happen Oh, my my fear honestly my fear is that is that they're going to say um oh no you're not or something along the lines or or it's like oh you just haven't found the right person yet and so and, and it's like so there's a degree of me not wanting to explain it to every single person because you know yeah. that's just going to get tiring because it's like not not everyone knows yeah, what asexuality is and mm-hmm. also i only know one other ace person I've only ever met another well no technically two um so haven't met her face to face that's why it's technically it's like we've met over zoom okay um and uh so I'm going to say two yeah um but physically physically one and like that's intimidating where you're like I I don't I only physically know 
in my build, like building your campus, or it's like one other asexual person. Yeah, yeah, and that that's scary. Yes. Um, and and it's like, um, yeah, that's so that's where I'm at right now. Is if if it comes up, it's like I I will tell, but I'm not I'm. I wish I was more, but I'm also just not going to be like, yeah, walking down the hallways, I'm an asexual. So I, so there is, there's, yeah. yeah. So I think there is like, a, you know, I have just uh, one, other than you, I just know one uh, asexual uh, uh, people, uh, person. So she also one uh, talked about like, I feel that queer people are also not that welcoming or, you know, you know, encompass that uh, asexual person but I think that you know the plus sign and A tells for themselves like we are all in the umbrella so whatever you like identify with you are here that, I wish that wasn't our tagline though I wish I wish it was just I I don't look for it's like I'm not interested in sex or something like that instead of like the we have we need to validate our existence because the majority of our responses is invalidating our existence. Yes. And so I, I would for for those who are listening, I keep in mind that is our tagline. We are valid, we exist. Yeah. There's a reason that okay. that is our tagline. Definitely. So it's like yeah. think about why that tagline exists. Yes, definitely. I, like I can relate because like I don't know anyone, phys- anyone physically who is gay, like in my place, anyone, not a one person, like not in scientific community, not in, in anywhere other. Like I just talk to like people on Instagram who are also queer. That's it. So it's very, you know, jarring for me to know that because it's India, obviously there are people who are, you know, like women are fighting for like their freedom you know mm-hmm. so it's bizarre to ask for like to understand that what or what is lgbtqi plus community is i cannot ask for that because i know that people won't understand so that's very very struggling for me i i i, I do feel that that i just wanted to share that for those who have ever read 1984 there is like you are a minority of one and that is a, such a powerful line where that's what it can feel like. Because it's again, like I, I inter- interacted via like Twitter and Instagram. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, you know, talking more about LGBTQ plus community, could it be helpful when we are going to conferences or like we are in a, in a, in a, in a, like a bulk, we are in a room full of people. If we know that those communities are uh, allies or you know positive about LGBTQ plus, do you think that talking about LGBTQ plus would help that scenario? Am I clear? Uh, yeah. It just uh, so I'm just making so it's more just like if we just talked about it a little bit more or yes. made spaces that were much more open, which you're kind of seeing right now. Um, yeah. um, I mean. It is ex- ex- like knowing that there is an LGBTQ community mm-hmm. within the STEM community specifically is. It, 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 I mean, 
coming from someone who up and like very recently determined that she was queer um even before that it was still very like reassuring that there was an lgbtq plus community okay um mainly because i have a bunch of i also have a bunch of friends in there as well and so I mean, yeah, rep I, I mean, here's the thing, representation is always going to matter because otherwise you're going to think that you're like so, if in the case, yeah, if yeah, if you're if you're like me, if you're like in the case of a, an asexual mm -hmm. um for a long time I didn't I never met anyone else. Mm -hmm. Um I'm sure there are uh not not just asexuals, but like anyone else out there I don't think I'm doing a very good job answering this question mainly because I am I just very recently determined that I was LGBTQ I, I was queer and up until a couple like maybe a year ago yeah. I thought I was just on the periphery of it okay so okay. I am still I am still trying to look at that and going like I I am within that community I still struggle with I still struggle with like oh right I am I am queer Okay. I can be in the LGBTQ plus community as well. Uh, okay. So that's why that's why that question is a little difficult for me to answer. Not because but that's like, fine. I, yeah. 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 Um, I like. Yeah. It is also important that you said that, uh, like you find out recently and like your story. That's what we are asking for. Like that's what I am asking for. That's that's all. Yeah. So the okay. So what oh, are your no. stories? Yeah. Um, so, uh, a couple of hobbies of mine. I am a cyclist. Um, I like, I love my road cycling. I used to race in college. Um, and then I, I, I gotten into, um, mountain biking and, uh, cyclocross. Wow. And I have dabbled, I've dabbled a little bit in track racing. Wow. Uh, just a tiny, tiny bit. I had, I actually had free, um, I had free lessons at one point. I don't remember how I got those. <laughs> so I you know all, like, you know all about time cycling. You were oh, all yeah. places about time, yeah. That's great. Oh yeah. I also love to do my own, I also love to do my own mechanic stuff. So wow. once, uh, yeah, so once, um, once my parts get here, actually this next week, I'll be working on my bike. Oh, that's great. Plug like, in, yeah, plug in some tunes and take it apart and clean it. Oh wow, that's great! You have like you have very mechanical hobbies. Uh, yeah, and um, what else do I do? I I do play uh, I I play Dungeons and Dragons. That's another one of my loves. Okay. Um, so uh, I've played that since I was ten, and so you're a champion. What's <laughs> uh, sure yeah, yeah. Um, it's a never-ending game it's okay. it's just like a, a long storytelling game with like every once in a while you have you have combat thrown in there okay um and i also love creative writing i i would love to i would love to publish a short story someday yeah do it yeah yeah well, we're trying. I keep I keep putting out the, the magazines, and I've gotten a lot of rejections. But one day, yeah, you you get there. You know, you talked about you have also a blog post. I think. Yeah, I have. Actually, I do have a blog where um, it's called gettingthescienceright.com, uh, uh, right as in W R I T E. Yes. And 
Um, what I do is that I have uh, two different types of posts. One of them is looking at how, like, looking at science and how you can accurately use science in your story, such as uh, viruses. Exactly. So it's like, hey, this is how this is how viruses are used in science stories. This is what they get wrong, and this is what you can do to get them right. Okay. Um, and then during the pandemic, because hmm. I think everyone reached that that mode of like, I've gone crazy, I've gone stir crazy. Yes. Um, I decided to I decided to start making blog posts about uh, like world building, how to how to scientifically how to make scientifically accurate stories loose again uh not even stories but like uh creatures so like oh, i yes. did a yeah yeah i did a post on uh, medusa uh yes. how to make a possibly scientifically accurate medusa okay. um and uh oh mermaids i actually made a post about how to how, to, how you can look at mermaids it's like do you look at them as a fish or do you look at them as a mammal two different things yeah that's that's you know you are connecting scientific communication and creative writing together it's very fascinating i should yeah. i would i would uh, uh, link your uh, blog post on the show note definitely yeah okay um and i'm currently i'm currently writing a blog post right now about like venoms and okay. like all the different all the different cool mm-hmm. molecular things that happen in venoms Mm-hmm. really cool uh fun fact bee venom actually has uh one of my favorite molecules hyaluronidase which cuts oh the hyaluronidase so that your the venom can exactly so that the venom can go through can go through the uh like skin layer easier and the epithelial layer oh into, my god yeah oh, oh. so it, yeah so it destroys the ecm and allows it to like it allows the venom to like go farther so, yeah 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 oh my god so uh but we're that's still in the works right now mm-hmm. um, and then i'm trying to think of what what my last hobby was that i mentioned i, I mean science but that's not really <laughs> a hobby <laughs> that's kind of a profession i know right Yeah. I do science for I do science for a hobby 12 hours a day kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the next question would be like um uh, what would be your advice to people who are you know in the transition that we that you talked that they wanted to be in a like a disease related uh field but they don't want the patient care and also people from i think that you know the diverse set of people what are your advices um so for those who are i mean uh, those who are just looking to like go maybe into a phd and just mm-hmm. getting into grad school i mean that's how i'll, I'll interpret that mm-hmm. um b i would say one it's okay to get rejected because i got rejected my first go around so it will happen to get it, it may maybe you're <laughs> one of those lucky people who get in the first time and i i salute you um <laughs> if you're if you're not it'll be okay i got in my second round um and uh i 
for, for those who start to go into your PhD um, and you have an opportunity to like check out different labs, mm-hmm. don't be afraid to maybe, you know, if, if you find that this is not your passion, because you do change a lot in graduate school, mm-hmm. like you're, you're put into a pressure cooker and so you will change. Yes. And you may find that what you thought you were going to go into graduate school for, that may not be what you're, yes. like, what is actually. Yeah. And so don't be afraid to, like, maybe try out other things. And don't, don't, I, I would say don't, don't panic if you find that your what you thought was your passion is not your passion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, I mean, I thought my passion was going to be, you know, being a doctor and dope. But I would say like don't be don't be afraid to maybe try a different path and I'm talking about it obviously from my my life choices going from getting an MD possibly and then shifting to getting a PhD but I would still say it still applies to within a PhD okay because if, if the lab is just not working for you but you still love research try like maybe look up different mentors and whatnot um for those who are like for diverse people i i i'm i actually meant like people from the lgbtq plus community yeah okay um so for, we were actually just talking about labels so don't worry there is a label for who you are <laughs> there's so much um and uh i for those who are already well established in the LGBTQ community um, and who are are willing to be open, mm-hmm. um, it's so important, uh, and we we do salute you because um, those of us who are who like I was questioning for quite a while, and those who are willing to be approached and show that they are part of the LGBTQ plus community, like that is a huge deal for us to you know see one that um we might be able to see ourselves in you and that it's also that we exist in the stem community i i know i know my i know what i just said was more towards folks who are already out in the lgbtq plus community but those who are still working um there are resources and Mm. keep looking there will be you will find someone um it might be by chance or it might be because you found you know, you, you went to a specifically LGBTQ plus community. Hmm. Um, um, also, if you are asexual or a, a romantic, hmm. you do belong in the queer community. So that yeah, you, if you do identify as that, um, you are not on the edge like I thought for years. Hmm. You are in the queer community. So it's an umbrella. So everyone is there. A does not stand for ally. It stands for asexual, aromantic spectrum. Okay. Hmm. Because so, uh, again, Sheila, I'm gonna plug. Uh, if you would like to learn more about asexuality and romanticism, mm-hmm. um, anything on the spectrum, uh, on that on that spectrum, mm-hmm. uh, let me try that again. I'm so sorry. If you would like to learn more about like asexuality and mm-hmm. um, the romantic spectrum, mm-hmm. I would recommend looking at Yasmin Benoit. Um, okay. She is a major uh, asexual activists and she has done amazing um, amazing stuff for the asexual community and I would highly recommend you check her out 
even if you're not questioning if you are asexual, please mm-hmm. check her out because her stuff is amazing. Okay. So you know, send me. You already have sent me those. I will link link it up. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for the recommendation. I, I am I'm sure that people who are questioning would be you know find it helpful. Would find it helpful. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So I think that's it. Do you do you have anything else to talk about? Platelets are cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, platelets are cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna be the person who yells that because everyone I'm the only one who's gonna be doing it. Platelets are cool. <laughs> that's like you know I am keep saying I keep saying that, but I think that's so you know. uh what can i say fulfilling that you are kind of the only person you know that's fully <laughs> working on uh platelets and i mean I, i am in a group i am in a group that works with platelets i just want to do point that out but you have yeah, given yeah, me but, too much power yeah <laughs> yeah but too much power and i will but stand you know, on this hill if you just uh, like search t cells on ncbi platform or anyone there is thousands of paper a paper like t cells for uh, you know but for platelets i think i have heard it for the first time and i am feeling very you know fascinated by it and i am sure that people who would listen to it would definitely find it fascinating mammals are the only ones with platelets by the way fun fact okay yeah fun fact <laughs> other other <laughs> other animals don't have platelets they have stuff like thrombocytes yes but we have platelets yeah and they're cool They're cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's much how, power. If you want to take away from this podcast, its platelets are cool. <laughs> yeah. So thank you so much for joining in in the podcast, and I want to like point out that for the first time we did the podcast, it uh, it ended very abruptly due to some internet problems, and very generously you talked with me and also offered me to do a second time. so i am very very grateful for that and i thoroughly enjoyed this conversation i personally get to uh, get many uh, so many insights about platelets and that they are cool and <laughs> <laughs> so i would definitely now check out more platelet related uh, papers so thank you so much for being in this podcast and you know thank you yeah no thank you for having me on twice <laughs> thank you so much